4: First strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down a very intriguing UFC fight night card here at the Apex in Las Vegas. Of course, the main event Derek Lewis against Sergey Spivak coming up very late, certainly on the East Coast tomorrow night on a Saturday night. To help me break it all down, Lou Finicaro is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Jordan Sherwood, Dan Vreeland, and Reed Kuhn from Washington, D.C. But Without further ado, let's get to the man that you can follow on Twitter, as I do, at GamLew. He is the host of the Bout Business Podcast, Lou Finnecaro. Lou, always great to catch up. We talked on Tuesday. Now, as we sit here on Friday getting ready for this late card here in the East Coast, any changes, anything that you can glean from those weigh-ins? Obviously, with the big boys, Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak, weight is normally not an issue.
5: Normally not. Uh, Thanks again, Dave. I sure appreciate coming on. Unusual card originally scheduled to take place in the other hemisphere happening here in Vegas, Uh, but the weigh-ins were never smoother. In fact, Mm. inside of 38 minutes, everyone had weighed in and without any kind of miss or issue, which is really excellent. So there's not a lot to take. From that aspect of it, you know, the one fight that really had tremendous line movement in it, uh, Tybura and uh, Ivanov, mm-hmm. uh, where Tybura opens minus 250, now he's closer to, uh, you know, minus 135 or so. I'm a little spooked at that tremendous movement. I I think Tibura's the right side there. He seemingly can get him with value, but that's a lot of movement and a fight that uh, was intriguing and one that moved a lot since we spoke Tuesday.
4: That's very interesting. Again, seeing some of those line moves. That's why on First Strike, First Look on Tuesday, Lewis giving you the better of the numbers there. Let's get to the main event. And when I talk about big boys, these are two of the bigger heavyweights that you're going to see. Derek's coming in at what about 265, and we know Speedox also right there, 255. Both these guys six three, so they're looking at each other. There's no height advantage here, and the reach advantage does go to Derek Lewis. Anything that you could take away just from the physicality of these two guys looking eye to eye? Because, again, not many guys can look at at Derek Lewis and say, I'm just about as big as you.
5: Yeah, and they it was an interesting stare down where both men looked like they were ready to go. And uh, no fanfare other than that. I do think that you have here. A kind of a one-trick pony without being dis- disparaging to Lewis. You have a more singularly dimensioned fighter that's got limited explosion and limited time by which to exert his power against a legitimate mixed martial artist, the legitimate mixed mar- martial artist in Spivak, stepping up in class. Lewis has lost three of his last four by finish. That said, he's been in there with the absolute elite. At 37 years old, though, I think it's time for a changing of the guard, and I look for Spivak to be measured, force Lewis to exert energy for a round, and then eventually trip him and get on top of him and finish the fight.
4: But you look at those numbers, the fight to good distance, all five, obviously, is the main event. Plus 450. Nobody really forecasts a fight like that that goes all 25 inside that octagon. You see the total here. It is juiced slightly to the under, but it really hasn't moved a whole lot loose since we talked on Tuesday. Still minus a dollar twenty-five. If you think that's going to go under a round and a half, the over minus a dollar five here. Could we see anything like a feeling out? Or again, do you really think this is Derek's coming forward? Sergey's going to get that trip, look to get him down to the ground, and then grind him out from there.
5: Uh, Since I'm wagering Spivak, Dave, I sure hope he has no intention of going out and meeting the Black Beast when the Beast is at his most potent. Uh, But, you know, we learn things in fights every day. <laughs> so speed back at minus a thirty, and Lou, because I know you
4: so well at this point, I know you know, don't normally don't like to lay over a two dollar betting favorite here. You're gonna find a way to maybe shorten that number, and I think that comes from the co-main event here, and down down Dow, uh, Jung against Devin Clark here. Clark is a big underdog at plus two ten, Jung minus two fifty. Are we looking at a, a playable parlay scenario here in the co-main in the main event?
5: I believe we are. Jung lost his undefeated moniker in his last fight out against Jacoby. He's on the bounce. The difference here is he's the one traveling to Vegas where uh, his opponent just has to come from Milwaukee. Little advantage there. But Jung, younger, taller, longer, faster. And again, perhaps a fight designed to enhance the South Korean fighter in a south korean fight event that happened not to take place in south korea
4: so again instead of uh, laying those big numbers what you're going to do is take jung minus 250 here and take spivak minus 230 parlay those two in and, and and try to shorten that almost to even money or a slight plus price correct
5: that's exactly the play earlier in the week that was plus 105 or 106 those numbers have crept up a little bit. You still get bet one, win one, and I don't mind making that kind of investment. I just hate laying those heavy prices as you state.
4: Yeah, very astute uh, way to go there, Lou. So again, that's the way to to really even that number, get it down to even maybe a slight plus number if you can still get it out there in the marketplace. I want to go to a couple fights that I know you have your eye on uh, earlier in this card. And right off the top here, you look at uh, Tetsuro Tayara. This is a young phenom coming over, made his UFC debut, looked really good in it. And now he's going to take on uh, Jesus Aguilar here. And Aguilar does have some credentials here. So even though Tayar is a massive favorite at minus 1150, Aguilar plus 750, you're going to look at something, maybe not at at the side, but maybe at the total. Is that something you're looking at there, Lou?
5: I think so, because Aguilar comes with dynamic wrestling and BJJ skills himself. He may not be the savant, the young uh, Japanese fighter is, and he's in there as fodder, as we can see from the pricing. That said, I think Aguilar, and I would say a bet in Aguilar's favor would be a consideration to take the over one and a half. And that's exactly where I'm going with this one, because I think Aguilar's BJJ and his wrestling is equipped enough or or stout enough developed enough to allow him to make this a competitive fight and take this past one and a half rounds possibly even to decision
4: and I love and that's exactly the way I handicap him too Lou if if I look at the dog and think there's an opportunity certainly as a Big big betting underdog at plus 750. If you're not 100% sure that that can actually cash, you do look at the total right now minus a dollar 40 for over a round and a half, and it kind of shows that respect for the opponent, right? That Tayara, even though this is a young phenom, we believe uh, coming over from Japan, that maybe now stepping up in competition, it's going to take them a little bit longer to get out the opponent in this case, in Aguilar at plus 750, correct?
5: That's surely what I'm thinking. Aguilar is much shorter, stockier. You know, there's not a lot of neck there. And again, the travel, Tiara from Japan and uh, Aguilar from just across the border. And again, because
4: this fight card has so much international flavor on it, on the second fight of the night, I know you look at Park here, and that's minus 225. Do you see a method
5: of victory, Lou, that might be able to get you a better part of the number there? Yeah, I really like this one, Dave. Uh, Park as a favorite should be five and two in the UFC. Lost his debut; he's five and one since, obviously. And the Russian Tulilin, please excuse the pronunciation, <laughs> one and one in the UFC. He beat uh, Jamie Pickett. Uh, I'm not impressed with that whatsoever. Uh, Park is much more well-rounded. Been in with a, a much higher caliber level of fighter as well. The experience in the U.S. FC, he's going to take this Russian down, and when he does, that'll signify the beginning of the end, because Park has made submissions, and Toilin has been submitted. And so, for that reason, inside the distance on Park is where I'll go. I'm dying to be bold enough to take the the, the submission, plus 3 or plus 325, but I'm going to play it safe and just figure that Park's going to get this done inside the distance and get a nice plus plus. 165, 170, wherever current pricing takes us right now.
4: See, that's that's what the astute handicappers out there like our own Lufin and Kara does. You're going to find that number instead of laying 225 with park, figure out another way inside the distance. And again, just check out your books and make sure that they offer that. But that's a much better way to get plus money instead of laying over the $2 price tag. I do want to ask you about Superboy, who's back in here. Uh, Aduho Choi is going to take on Kyle Nelson uh, on the main card here. It's been a minute since we've seen Superboy back inside the octagon. He is laying almost $2, uh, minus $1.90 right now. Is there danger in backing Superboy at
5: that price point? I think uh, no. Okay. Uh, in, In fact, I think the Superboy's in good position here. He's training with the Korean Zombie. Remember when Zombie took some time off, he came back and was so more versed, it was surprising. Mm. I expect this out of Choi, and I'm not sure what kind of fight Nelson has for Choi. Not a fight I'm using, but Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the fight, we could look back at this and say Choi at minus 190 was a bargain.
4: Wow. So maybe that, again, sometimes you get nervous with layoffs, right? And Guys coming back from different things here. And that's certainly the case with Superboy, but at minus 90, uh, not necessarily shying away from that bigger number. And, Lou, you mentioned it. This is the type of card for you. And I know uh, certainly uh, at the About Business podcast, you, you're not going to give out a, a ton of releases because there's only a handful of fights
5: that you really like, Correct. The three releases on the podcast are the three that I've shared with Hugh here today. And I'm not gonna force it. We're gonna take it easy. We have another forty or forty-two fight cards left in twenty twenty three. So we'll approach it more like the hare than excuse me, more like the tortoise than the hare. And again, that is such a great exercise for everybody new to this
4: space. You don't have to fire on every fight. Lou's identified three that he really likes in the Belt Business Podcast, and that's why he gave him out there and gave him out here on First Strike. Lou, always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you again next week. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood in Chicago next here on First Strike on Visa the sports Betting Network. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligibility for to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Now is the time of the show that we go to the great city of Chicago to catch up with our guy, Jordan Sherwood. You can follow Jordan as I do at Jordan, excuse me, Wood on ESPN 1000, and of course, he is the host of the unnamed MMA podcast. Jordan, great to catch up with you. You told me during the break, it's really cold in Chicago. It's one
7: degree. It's one degree. One. one. We have outside right now in the Witty City. Just one. Not We're even zero. They of- gave us One.
4: We're going to get a lot more winners than just one in this card. I know that for sure. Uh, Jordan, very quickly, when you look at the card and you look at the, the main event here in Sergey Spivak against Derek Lewis, and you look at the weight, right, 265 for Derek and Spivak right there at 255, this does feel like the battle of the bigger end of the heavyweights. We know what Derek Lewis wants to do. We think we know what Spivak wants to do. Is this going to be a collision and we're going to meet in the center, or Do you think we're going to look for some trips from Spivak to try to take this fight down to the ground?
7: Yeah, I don't think Spivak wants to mess with Derek Lewis at all on the feet. Uh, we've seen Spivak be in there with guys that have similar power, similar, similar striking acumen than Derek Lewis. And what has been the kryptonite of Derek Lewis, you know, at times when he's been in there with some good grapplers, is getting the fight to the ground and then guys being able to overwhelm him uh, on the ground. So I think Spivak understands the importance of this fight, he's been streaking of of late. He needs a big name on his resume to continue that trajectory towards the top five of the heavyweight division. And I think Lewis is a guy that provides that. I mean, he's been in the top 10 forever uh, in the heavyweight division. So without a doubt, Spivak is going to want to avoid the first three minutes, four minutes of this fight, avoid the power, and get a, a double leg and, and look for, look, a, a guy that's very, very successful in taking the fights to the ground, 21 takedowns. It's the third most in, uh, currently in the heavyweight division. 63% takedown accuracy, so he's very good when he attempts one to get the fight to the ground, and very good at top control, which Derek Lewis has struggled with. So yeah, long uh, long story short, absolutely, Speedback wants to avoid the feed and get this fight to the ground immediately.
4: And I know you're looking at an alternate line here for the total, again, potential five-round fight, if you think the fight's going to go the distance, plus 450. That shows you the betting market does not believe this fight's going to go all five. But, Jordan, you might not want to get cute with the round and a half. Are you looking at maybe two and a half as a safer option here? I think so, because, look, I
7: mean, look, Derek Lewis has been gone into deeper rounds before. And Spivak, I think, is going to be cautious, you know, with it. He doesn't want to get into a firefight with Derek Lewis. So I I think just adding a little bit more to that round total, go on the over of at least or under, excuse me, at least two and a half rounds to play it safe. But I do believe we're getting a finish. I believe we're either getting a traditional Derek Lewis very early knockout or Spivak overwhelms him and gets Lewis out of there. I guess the one caveat is Derek Lewis has never lost three fights in a row. He mm. has lost two, so this would be the first time in his MMA career he loses three fights in a row if Spivak gets his hand raised.
4: And that's very interesting, too, because if you look at the prop here, right? For Derek Lewis to win by DQ, it's plus 240. Obviously, right now, plus 195 to win the fight. It doesn't feel like there's another avenue of approach for Lewis to win. Now, for Spivak, it's different because KOTKRDQ is plus twenty. Sub is plus 330. Again, we don't think this is going to go all five. So a decision feels like a long shot at plus 650. But that's why you're going to play the under here because you're looking for a finish, but you might not want to get too cute with just who's going to get the finish of the other guy.
7: Exactly. Because I think that each guy has a recipe that they could, a path to victory. Um, Look, if you think this fight's going to go longer, perhaps it even goes to five rounds and the guy that's going to get his hand raised is, is Sergey Spivak. He's going to have top control. He's going to be able to pepper, uh, you know, Derek Lewis if the fight remains standing. So if you want to, I, I guess you're feeling lucky. You feel like this fight's <laughs> going to go uh, into the, what, early morning hours, uh, if you will, or <laughs> actually like late morning hours. Uh, then you get Spivak via decision. But I wouldn't buy that. I think it's there is a finish with, with these two heavyweights.
4: Yeah, you got to stay up late in the East Coast. if You're going to watch this one. It's going to go into Sunday morning. That's for sure. Uh, Let's go to the first fight on the card. You can still get that, I believe, on Saturday in the East Coast. Not a Sunday bout. Uh, Tetsuro Tayara is a huge betting favorite against Jesus Aguilar. Aguilar plus 750. Tayara here, very impressive so far in his early UFC career, minus 1150. But, Jordan, nobody wants to lay almost 12 to 1 uh, in any fight. Is there another way that you're looking at this fight to maybe shorten that price tag?
7: I think just generally, like, look at this fight card. It was supposed to take place in, in, in South, South Korea. They had to move it. Chan Sung Jung gets hurt. So they, they move all these South Korean fighters that were going to be showcased uh, to, to North America. I think a lot of these fights were showcase fights, kind of squash matches, if you will, old school WWF. You know, the, the the no name, the guy that's known versus the jobber. And this is one of them. Tyara, I think, is a special fighter, is a shooto flyaway champion. He's gonna have an eight-inch reach advantage against Aguilar. And I think inside the distance right now, whether it be a sub or TKO, don't gotta get cute. Just inside the distance at a dollar seventy-five. I like and I disagree actually with our buddy Gam I think I heard him early on with at least with, with Paulie and Mitch talking about this fight's gonna go the over at one and a half. Aguilar has something to prove. I disagree. I think this is a layup fight, a showcase fight, and we get an early finish by Tiara in this one. So under one and a half as well for me uh, in this one.
4: All right. Because again, this is one of those guys in Tiara, if you've not seen him fight yet, in the UFC, that we know the promotion. To your point, with the kind of the wrestling analogy, they want him to look good. So maybe this could be another one of those tailor-made guys to make uh, Tetsuro look good here in his early UFC career. Another guy that normally looks good is Superboy, right? And we're going to see him back on this card here and Do Ho Choi. Now he is coming off a bit of a layoff here against Kyle Nelson. Does that worry you at all, or do you think Superboy is going to look like we we thought he would just a couple years ago?
7: Well, let's be honest with it. It's not the normal layoff. I mean, this guy wasn't, like, suffering injuries and sitting on the couch. He had military duty that he Mm -hmm. had to serve for two years. And we've seen that again. We just mentioned him, uh, you know, with the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung, had to do that. You know, unfortunately, it took two years out of his, you know, prime career. But he came back. He looked fantastic. And I think this is another stylistic matchup that favors Duho Choi. He's going to have the the strong advantage over Kyle Nelson on the feet, certainly the power and Kyle Nelson just, just hasn't fought smart losing four of his five in the UFC. I think this is another tailor made matchup for Duho Choi, a guy that I believe will be in shape, will be prepared. The layoff won't be a factor. And this is another fight to get him off the schneid of losing three fights in a row, uh, a showcase for me. And I think it's fine. Money line at the dollar 85, dollar 90 for the, the Korean Superboy to get back in, in the win column.
4: You know, if you think it might be an easy night in his return, you look at the under right now. There is plus money, at plus a dollar 10 to go under around and a half. Is that something that might intrigue you as well? Uh, well, I think, yeah. Or you just look at him via TKO, KO at plus 125.
7: That, that's another direction, too. If you feel like dollar 80, dollar 85, 90, whatever price you find it at, it's, it's two bucks. So shop it around. Inside the distance, again, I think this is another fight, a lot of them on the card, the South Korean fighter, stylistic matchup, or, or at least the South Korean fighter that they want, the UFC wants to showcase, favorable matchup. So that's why I think we're going to see a lot of finishes tomorrow night uh, and tomorrow or Sunday morning, and uh, as, as
4: well as, as as heavy favorites get their hand raised. Very quickly, though, because, again, if this fight was over in Korea, right, we would understand, you know, that they're going to have the the, the home octagon advantage, if you will. Traveling here to Las Vegas to fight at Apex, does that concern you at all for some of these foreign fighters? I think maybe you lend that a little bit, but they knew about this. I mean, this
7: fight was moved weeks ago so there's been plenty of time for these guys to get acclimated uh to the north american climate and culture and, and time difference and i think they're going to be ready and again even though they're fighting not in front live of their home countrymen they know all of their home countrymen are going to be tuning in to watch because of the time difference it was set up so they could watch in primetime as opposed to me who's gonna have to figure out how i'm gonna stay up till 2 a.m to watch these fights
4: A lot of coffee, Jordan. I know you don't like my coffee maker, so I'm sure you have better coffee back there in Chicago to keep you up late into the night. Uh, Let's get to one fight in the prelims. I know you have your eye on on with uh, Kazama, plus 350 against Nakamura, minus 435. What do you make of this? Because I know, again, you don't want to lay over $4 here for the big betting favorite.
7: Yeah, again, I think Kazama's got just all the tools in in his a tool shed, if you will, to get, to get the job done. Better wrestling, very strong counters, very hard overhand left. I think it's just going to be another finish, another showcase fight that we see him. So you can get, I believe it, plus money for him to win inside the distance. And I think that that's what's going to happen tomorrow.
4: All right. So go with with Nakamura. Short, uh, shorten that price tag there inside the distance. And I love your handicaps here, Jordan, because, again, we're, we, we're trying to advise people. You don't want to get in the habit of laying big, big favorites. All it takes is one big favorite to lose. It upsets your your price tickets on your card. So look for some of these other options inside the distance as Jordan is giving you here. Very quickly, about 30 seconds. Tell the people about the unnamed MMA pod.
7: Yeah, each and every week on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you can find uh, your you know your podcast. It's available. Me and Adam Abdawa break down all the fights that so we talked about each fight on the main card. We also preview a couple of the upcoming fights. We've got a doozy of, of championship Ooh. fights. I know we we do, David, and we're looking forward, to it. especially next week. We talk about that already uh, with Makachev and, and Volkanovsky, who's gonna get their hand raised. And I think actually Alexander
4: the Alexander the Great. Small play on him early at plus three. Whoa, that's just your way jump the gun, but I love it, everybody. There he is, Jordan Sherwin. Check him out out of Chicago. Appreciate Jordan's insight as always. Come on back. Dan Rewin is next here on First Strike. Start your mornings with VEASAN's newest podcast, VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Hapelbaum is going to give you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line moves, injuries, and what you need to be looking for before you make those wagers. So make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on First Strike, always a pleasure to go out to the East Coast to be caught up by Daniel Vreeland here. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Gumby Vreeland. And again, writer at gambling podcast at Cadeside press and host of top turtle MMA and G uh, S G P N MMA. Boy, you got a lot of pods out there, Dan. You're always <laughs> doing big time work. We mentioned this here with a time difference of this card with you being on the East coast, you're staying up late and watching all, all these,
6: aren't you? I, I, you know, I probably am. If it wasn't, I will admit if it wasn't Derek Lewis in the main event, if you gave me one of those, like a little bit more lackluster apex cards, you might catch me sleeping on it, but no, I think you got to stay up and watch the black beast.
4: You, you got to watch the black beast do his thing. He's back in there. And, you know, I've mentioned this with, with and of course, Jordan Sherwood earlier in the program, you know, a lot of times, we want to bet with our hearts. Sometimes it's a, it's a terrible proposition to do long-term Derek Lewis is a very, very popular fighter here, obviously not fighting in Houston, fighting out here in the UFC in the apex with that smaller cage against a guy like Sergey Spivak advantage Lewis, or do you think eventually Spivak because he wants to get the fight down to the ground, but obviously you don't want to stand too close to the beast inside that short proximity.
6: Yeah, I, I actually think it is an advantage to him. I don't know how much of an advantage it to him it is. He is 3-0 and in the Apex. Take that for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. he, he he has had trouble in Houston, as we, we kind of documented time and time again. But I also do think this is just like a good matchup for him, regardless of what kind of cage it's in. You know, Spivak is a guy, you're right, who can kind of grind you out and can take you down and hold you down. Derek Lewis is a hard guy to hold down, and the early boxing and the early finding of range has never really been all that good for Sergei Spivak. You know, you go back to his fight with Alexi Olinik. Olinik actually tagged him a couple of times in that first round. And Olinik is an awful striker. And <laughs> in addition to that, uh, Olinik won that first round. Like he, he was such a slow starter that he got beat by Alexi Olinik at, you know, like 44 years old in the first round. You can't start slow against Derek Lewis. You know, no. you start slow against Derek Lewis and you're unconscious. And I kind of think that that's the way it's going here is like, I I love the Derek Lewis KO prop, which I'm seeing, you know, is it much higher than his money line, but like, Hey, he ain't going to win a decision here. He ain't submitting anybody. So you might as well get that little bit extra money. And I'll also say this, like I really do think both first round and second round props, which I've seen, you know, anywhere right around plus 500 and plus 10 hundred or, you know, a thousand respectively. Mm -hmm. I, I think both of those are playable on their own. If you wanted to put those together.
4: You know what's amazing when you just go through Derek Lewis's fights, right? You've seen him come out early, even against Curtis Blades, where he got dominated in that first round. It was almost like Curtis got a little bit—I um, don't want to say overconfident—but you get too close, and then the uppercut from hell comes in and puts you to sleep. Do you see that type of scenario where where Speedback says, "Man, I gotta stay away," and so therefore maybe the over is in play at minus a dollar five for a round and a half, or if he gets touched early, to your point, he could go out in this very first
6: round. Yeah, I actually think the over one and a half is not a bad play because, you know, everybody thinks of Derek Lewis being this real quick knockout artist. But like you Mm -hmm. said, you know, he got dominated in that first round against Curtis Blades. And if you go back to some of his other fights too, some of the knockouts come late, the one against Volkov came with 30 seconds left. The thing about him is he's dangerous from rounds one to five, which is why, you know, I'm liking him in this fight is because I don't think Spivak can stay away for 25 minutes. I personally think he's going to get it done earlier, but that earlier might be, you know, like you said, a round and a half away or two rounds away. I don't think it's going into the fourth and fifth round. I don't think we're going to see championship rounds. Um, But, yeah, there's totally a possibility there that maybe Spivak gets some, like, stalling time up against the cage or does score one of those takedowns. I just don't see that being a sustainable game plan in the long run.
4: No, and again, at plus 450 for this fight to go the distance, I'm not finding any takers on that no. so far here. Just, <laughs> just does not seem like we're going go to the, gonna go to the cards here in Las Vegas. Uh, Dan, I always love going through some of the prelim fights with YouTube because I know you've got your eye on some of those, and it will be earlier in the East Coast for you. Mm-hmm. I, I look at Tetsuro Tayara, and I'm fascinated by this prospect out of Japan. We saw him last time out look fantastic, getting the submission victory. Now he's almost a 12 to one betting favorite against Jesus Aguilar here. Plus- plus 750 on Aguilar, is there any danger? Because this is officially a step up in competition for him.
6: Yeah, it's a little bit of a step up in competition, but I will say it seems like the UFC is doing right by him in terms of, you know, he's, he's a young guy, right? They, they know what they have in Tyra, both because, you know, he's 22 years old. He looks amazing and he's part of that market that they're trying to tap into. You know, we, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since they've had, you know, with the exception of Wei Li Zhang, a really marketable Japanese male, if you want to say, or a really marketable Asian male. So this is their chance to sort of tap into that market. And I think they gave him the right kind of step up here because, you know, Aguilar is a guy who relies heavily on his grappling. So what's the best thing to do? You know, know that Tetsuya Tara is going to have to work more for that grappling. But at the end of the day, I think he still has an advantage of that grappling and uh, you gave him a guy who's not particularly dangerous on the feet, so I don't really feel tempted at all by that plus 750. Now, with that being said, that Tussuriya Tyra number, which is 12 to one, or you know, negative 1150, I'm seeing right. right now, you know, that that is not playable. And I've seen his submission prop, you know, so high too. I don't think that's playable either. If you're looking for a way to play it, I think the over on rounds is probably the right move or even the fight goes to decision. Cause fighting a guy who is good at submissions, there's a chance that he just dominates the position and sort of rides this one out. But for me, this is probably a pass, uh, you know, front to back. All
4: right, so if if maybe you're looking at one thing, maybe play the over around and a half here, which shows respect for the underdog here in Aguilar plus seven fifty. So I'm picking up what you're putting down there. When I look at uh, Kim against Baum here, uh, Mandy right now is plus two two thirty five as a dog against Kim minus two eighty. Any leans here for the for the uh, the women's fight here on the prelim
6: card? Yeah, I like Jeon Kim here. Uh, I know she's on a four-fight losing streak, and that, that scares a lot of people away. But first of all, she won that Priscilla to fight. Whether or not they gave her the score or not, she won mm-hmm. that Priscilla to fight pretty clearly. And in all of those other fights, she's competitive. The thing about her is she throws incredible volume, right? Like, she landed 170 punches in one of those fights. I think it was the Molly McCann fight. She just... Goes in and she throws. Now she doesn't look like she's landing with big impact all the time, but she throws a lot. And the problem with Mandy Bohm is, is that time and time again, she's losing fights by just not throwing enough volume. So you've got somebody who sometimes is a little bit too throw happy for her own good. And you've got somebody who never throws, and that winds up costing her. So of course I'm going to take the person with volume. And if I'm looking for a way to play this, I don't really like that she's ballooned all the way up to negative 280 or you know somewhere in that yeah. range. Like th- that that's too scary for me. But there's no way she's finishing this fight. She hasn't finished a fight in a really long time. So let's take her by decision. I, last time I saw it, you're getting that darn near close to a pick 'em. So like if you can get that at negative 110, negative 120, negative 130, I think that's really the way to play this one.
4: I think it's an excellent handicap. I always say with all of our experts here on First Strike, that's the way you shorten those price tags here. So look for Kim via decision there instead of laying the 280. I'm with you. Doesn't look like a finish is likely. Any other fight here in the prelims before we jump back to the main card, Dan? That you th- think there might be some value in here on a Friday before we get to to the card
6: tomorrow? Absolutely. I love Zayee a lot in his fight against Jong Yong Kim. He's like a two to one underdog mm-hmm. in this fight. And and I think a lot of people, when they watched that road to the UFC tournament, really fell in love with uh, Jong Yong Lee's knockout ability and his finishing ability. But the thing they don't note about that is he didn't always look good in those fights before he won them. You know, the, the fight with Bin Shea, he got taken down right away. And he didn't really know how to defend the takedown. He just like threw wild punches as he fell to the ground. And then once he got to the ground, he got the armbar props to him for getting the armbar. But I just don't think that's possible against Zayi. I think Zayi has got good jujitsu. I've seen his chain wrestling. His chain wrestling looks really good. And he didn't go out there and get the finishes into the road to the UFC. And I think that's why you see him as such a large underdog in this fight. So that that's one I've circled is definitely a huge value. All right, 2-1 to right now on Yee, so that's one maybe
4: perspective upset that Dan certainly sees on the card. Uh, When you look at Yusaka Kinoshita, minus 315 against Adam Fugit here, plus 260 here. uh, I know we don't want to lay over $3. Is that priced accordingly, though, in your eyes?
6: I think he kind of is. The, the thing about Fugé is, you know, he, he is a guy who's tried to use his wrestling a couple of times mm-hmm. in the past. He certainly tried on Michael Morales, but the problem was he's just like, can't get close enough to somebody who understands range, which is what Michael Morales did to him. And now you got him against Yasaku Kinoshita, who's another young 23 year old dude who knows how to establish range. It's like they're kind of cherry picked, you know, the same kind of fighter for him to lose to again. Now, with that being said, he's incredibly durable and he's really tough and Kenishita has had a little bit of an issue with his cardio in the past. So, I'm not really ready, like you said, to lay the negative 315 here. If you do like the KO prop, the the KO prop, I think, is probably the best way to extract value out of it, plus 120. I don't think this is going the distance because, you know, like I said, Fugit is is definitely durable, but he's durable for so long because he does get hit a lot.
4: Uh, Dan, are you a coffee guy?
6: I am a coffee guy. Yeah, okay. I'm a big coffee guy.
4: <laughs> Lots of coffee for you in your future on Saturday night to stay up late and watch this entire card. Dan, we appreciate it as always, my friend. We'll catch up again next week. There he is, everybody. Uh check him out at Gumby Breeland on Twitter. When we come back, we're going to DC. Recon next here on First. We roll on this edition of First Strike here on Neeson, a programming reminder. We're going to be moving this show from Fridays to Tuesdays starting next week. You get a lot more opportunities to catch first strike before you get to those fights starting on next Saturday night. But right now, I'm going to go out to Washington, D.C. to catch up with our guy, Reed Kuhn. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter as I do at Fightnomics. He is the author of a book of the same name. And Reed, I used to live back there in Washington, D.C. When you get a fight card like this, it's starting out here, what, about seven o'clock local time for me here in Vegas. Uh, That means the prelims starting for you at 10 o'clock, and the main card doesn't start. Sunday morning, I feel for you guys on the East Coast on a card like this.
8: Yeah, it's tough. I, I did spend some years on the West Coast, and I loved the earlier fights. Uh, you could you could finish even a pay-per-view card and still have time for a movie afterwards, uh, but no way. I'm just going to—I need to force myself not to want to stay up a little bit later and watch one more fight, turn it off, Look at your phone when you wake up. I've been there before with the Australia cards. That's generally how it happens. So, um,
4: yeah, I, I'm going to get my, my bets in and then go to bed. Smart, man. You, you, to your point, though, I remember coming out of here uh, for, what, UFC 196, which was Diaz uh, against Conor McGregor. And after that fight ended and I go out in the streets of Vegas, like nine o'clock. I'm like, this is fantastic. So uh, the shoes on the other foot, obviously, for this card back there in the East Coast. But because of a card like this, where you have a lot of younger fighters and obviously a lot of foreign fighters on this card, sometimes the data is really just not gonna be available for some of your models read, right? So in a card like this, you're not gonna force feed it?
8: Never force feed it. If you're gonna take a quantitative view, you gotta stick with that. I mean, that's kinda rule number one is that you follow mm-hmm. the numbers and you stay with it. And if there aren't numbers, you can't even have an opinion. And honestly, someone out there is going to do the research on these guys, and it is an opportunity for a research-based better to hustle people about because the market is going to be fairly ignorant with a lot of these brand-new faces. If you do the research and look them up and watch old tape, yeah, you can probably find some value and maybe even more so uh, than trying to go with a, a more high-profile fight that everybody's coming after. But yeah, I'm limited to the main card, um, and I'll do what I can with these.
4: And I think that's, again, for everybody out there new to the space, that's an excellent point. When Reed doesn't have the data points that he's looking for, you do not fire on fights that you do not find that quantitative advantage that Reed does such a great job of finding. So let's start on that main card here, and let's go right to the top of the food chain here with the big heavyweights here, Derek Lewis, about 265 pounds, but he's not going to have a big size advantage against Sergey Spivak here, who's coming in about 255. Now, we know the age is where that Spivak has a huge advantage here. Uh, What are the numbers showing you here in the main event?
8: Yeah, I'm glad you call that out, because first of all, first thing you notice, 10-year age differential, that's a very big age differential. You normally don't see that in the sport, except sometimes at heavyweight, where you do have some older fighters. Uh, So that's a big red flag for me with Derek Lewis, and I am someone that has been honestly fading the guy for a while, and I think even a couple of his wins he got lucky with, but he is on a losing streak because he is very one-dimensional, and when you rely just on a big Overhand, You know, that's not going to get you by if people are ready for that and they're gaming for it. And look for someone with a ground game. They did find Sergey Spivak as a good dance partner because he has been dropped a few times. He doesn't have much offensive striking, at least on the feet. But he has that ground game. And so, yeah, in open water, this is Derek Lewis. But how long is it really going to stay there? I think the takedowns are going to come early from Spivak. He's going to take it down. And we know that Lewis will gas. He will succumb to strikes, maybe even get submitted. Uh, So I like Spivak. I like him inside the distance because he's obviously a little bit expensive at this point. But in a fight like this, this is one of those few where you can just assume this is not going to go five rounds. Someone's going to get finished. So take the prop angle.
4: Yeah, exactly. Fight good distance here, plus four fifty. I've I've found no takers here uh, on first strike on this episode, at least. Read nobody thinks this fight's going to go all five. You mentioned inside the distance for Spivak. It is right now at a round and a half, juiced to the under minus a dollar twenty-five here. Do you think there could be at least a tiring out process, whereas maybe that over could be in play at minus a dollar five?
8: That's that's the right over. Um, you know, two and a half is a little too generous. I think Lewis can survive around he's been there before um, but we also know that he he will sort of give up a little bit you, you can see him like really emptying the tank and knowing his moment and good for him to seize that moment throw it all out there and then if it doesn't land and he ends up in a bad spot he's getting backpacked a little bit that's usually just just delaying the inevitable it could stretch it round and a half Um, But that means two attempts from Lewis at the beginning of each round. He has those first 30 seconds until it gets close. That's where he wins it is in the beginning of the round. Um, So I I think Spivak drags him down, tires him out. Maybe it lasts to the second round, but probably not the third. So that's why I think the ITD, um, you know, Spivak by strikes, it's it's hard to say because he does have a lot of submissions. So maybe ITD is the safer play for him.
4: Yeah, because again, KOTKRDQ for Spivak here plus a dollar twenty. So again, it might be a little bit trickier. Subs could come into play there at uh, about the three dollar price tag there. If you do like the favorite, very quickly, is there any reason why if people are backing Derek Lewis, and we're not suggesting that they do, it's plus two forty for KOTKRDQ. Is there any other manner of victory that you could see for the Beast has it got to be with the hands, and it's got to be by this prop?
8: I think it's got to be with the hands and specifically because this is a five round fight. If this was a three round fight, maybe there's this like snooze fest scenario mm-hmm. like he had one time where it turned into a staring contest where someone was so afraid of his power. They just stared at each other for three rounds and then he got a decision. Um, but that was, I think, a, a one time lightning. I, you know, right. Lewis by decision is just a little too weird. I think he, he gets a knockout or he gets finished on the mat.
4: Yeah, no disrespect to Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, but that was one of the worst heavyweight matchups I've ever seen. Two guys in a staring contest. Reid, you put it perfectly. Uh, let's go to the co-main event here and see the numbers that you have on Devin Clark here. It's about a $2 underdog right now to Dong Jung. Jung right now, minus two fifty. Is that fight right now priced accordingly uh, according to your numbers?
8: I think it's priced well. Um I'm maybe looking for a little movement one way or the other before I would actually make a play on it. I think uh, Zhang by TKO is an interesting prop for me. I think that's if he wins, he can do it two different ways, Uh, you know, decision or by strikes. I think he definitely has the upper hand. Uh, on the feet. You have Devin Clark, four knockdowns received. His defense is OK. Uh, his offensive threat with striking is just not as good as Jung. And Jung is the much bigger fighter. When you see these guys in the cage, I think it'll you'll realize how quickly um, one is just significantly bigger than the other. And so that, that's a red flag looking for an upset. You might hope that there's a size advantage there, but Clark doesn't really have it. He does have more eager wrestling, but Zhang very good takedown defense, at least to date. Now, he hasn't seen a lot of takedowns, only nine. He's defended eight of them, so he's only been taken down one time. Um, but that does bode well. You know, I, I hope he defends a few early takedowns. He forces the striking, and he takes advantage of Clark. So that's the way I see it going down. But, you know, at this price, can Clark drag him down and maybe turn this into a grinder split decision? That isn't in play here, so that's why I want to see some price movement one way or the other.
4: It's interesting you mentioned that because you see the total rounds here. That prop right now is juiced uh, two and a half here. The over you can get plus money at plus a dollar 30, the under minus a dollar60, so almost in a survival way, right? For Clark, could you see this possibly maybe a lean towards that over at plus money?
8: You know, live betting introduces some interesting angles here. <laughs> you know, if if he's not getting the early takedowns, I think this ends badly. If he does land an early takedown, how Zhang reacts to that will tell us a lot. Because if he gets up instantly, you, you're going to see it in Clark's face. He's going to be like, man, I, I got him down and he just popped right back up. I am, I am in for it. But if he actually lays on him for a while, all of a sudden this fight significantly changes. He might be able to repeat that for at least two or three rounds. And then really you're going into that Clark by upset decision scenario. Uh, I'm just going by the numbers here. The numbers still think Jung is the winner. And if he is the winner, he's probably going to have the better hands at some point. So I'm not going to game the rounds on this one. I might take a Jung prop, but mainly it's just Jung for the victory.
4: Reed, I got about a minute to go. I want to sneak in these last two: Tybura against Ivanoff here. I know you got a lot of numbers on here with with the veteran, certainly Marcin Tybura, who right now is a small favorite, minus a dollar forty. What are the numbers aligning for you?
8: When I ran this early on, it was a bigger split. Ivanov was a much bigger underdog, and I was seeing more of a coin flip scenario, and I was going to back Ivanov. Since then, the prices have moved significantly. This is moving towards a coin flip type fight. I'm still slightly on Ivanov, really slightly. I think he just has a better wrestling, and if he can turn this into a grinder. But these guys are probably going to a decision in that case. And yeah, maybe I'll take a flyer on Ivanov by decision.
4: All right. 30 seconds. Tell me about Superboy here. Almost a $2 betting favorite back in that octagon against Kyle Nelson. Uh, what are the yeah. numbers showing here? Any chance for an upset? Actually, yes. Um, a
8: small chance. I, you know, both guys have a lot of losses, but it's to pretty good talent. So it's hard to say that they're as bad as their record shows. Um, and when you line them up, Nelson actually does have some advantages. I Again, I think it's a closer, closer to coin flip. In this case, I do give an edge to Superboy, but... Depending on the price, I might take a small
4: flyer in Nelson. I try to stay up lead, Reed. uh, Late, Reed. I know it's going to be tough there on the East Coast. I want to thank Reed, Coot, Dan Breeland, Lupin Bennett, and, and of course Jordan Sherwood. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you next week on Tuesday. First Strike on Visa.
3: Zumo Play.